Main topic today, we're looking at calls to strengthen construction safety after the tragic accident that saw two workers killed in a gas-filled underground tube near Elements Shopping Centre. The fact the victims weren't found until more than 12 hours later has raised concern about poor enforcement of construction safety rules. And the chief executive has already ordered inspections of all similar venues across Hong Kong. So what more can be done to improve construction safety? And are the tougher penalties enacted in the new law enough? Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233-88266. Later in the program after 9.40, we're going to be finding out about the Shangxing Dui Relic Exhibition, which was opened at the Hong Kong Palace Museum yesterday. And at the end of the program, 9.55, we're going to get an update on the Asian Games. But first to construction safety. Uh, joining us for the first segment of uh, the discuss- discussion this morning, we have initially uh, Pan Pei Chow, the uh, former Federation of Trade Unions lawmaker. And in our Queensway studio, we have Alfred. Tang, Honorary Secretary of the Hong Kong Institute of Construction Managers. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Pan, Pan Pei Chow, maybe let's go, because I know you, you've got only a short time. Let's go to you first. Uh, good um, yes. Everybody is really shocked by this accident, aren't they? Uh, yes, yes. yes. Exactly. And more seems to come out every day about the rules. Not, I mean, we, we have a new law to try and... Uh, I, the law was changed, what, just uh, a year or so ago with tougher penalties, but it doesn't seem to be having an effect, does it? Uh, yes, unfortunately, uh, this is the case, right? Uh, the, such a, a, a tragedy happened. Um, I think that uh, in this case, we really have to look at uh, what the, the root causes were to this uh, tragedy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, um, they, I, we, we shouldn't prejudge um, investigations so, um, sure. and indeed criminal prosecutions, although uh, somebody's been arrested, nobody's been charged yet. But uh, the government itself has said that uh, it seems like there were all kinds of lapses in uh, basic safety procedures at this site. Yes, I, I think the, the, the crucial point is that um, the person who made the decision, right, and dispatched those workers, uh, to go uh, into the, those uh, 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 tunnels, right? Um, uh, have probably have uh, determined that this is not an enclosed space. But from what we can see, right, uh, uh, from the information uh, that is available on the mass media, it, uh, uh, and uh, I, I think it is quite clear that this is a confined space, right, uh, as defined right, by law, right? So. Uh, so that should, that means that uh, appropriate action and precautions uh, should be in place for those people to, uh, to work safely there. So, so they, they were sent in without uh, appropriate precautions, and then they were just left there, weren't they? I mean, the uh, the reports they they were just left there, there overnight, and the um, the managers decided, well, we we think they've gone home, we can't see them, and so we'll just go home ourselves. Exactly. I I think that's uh, um, from what we can see, there's apparently gross uh, 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 lapse of uh, attention right to the to to abide by the regulations and rules right yeah and and also actually is there are like there are actually a lot of like invest investigation to do like afterwards so uh, what do you think the government or like the company can do like right now in this moment to help the family or like to to show it to the public about the industrial like safety. Yes, I, I think that uh, 
first of all, uh, there's a lot to do uh, in order to to help those uh, families, right, of uh, of the diseased workers, right. I think they they they're in great suffering, right, because mm-hmm. it's uh, financial loss and the loss of their their uh, loved ones, uh, especially around this time, right, of a festival season, right. The mid autumn festival is a time when yeah. people get together, family uh, sort of uh, uh, united together, right, to, to celebrate. So they, they I think, I, I just can't imagine their, their suffering, right? So I think there's a lot of things that uh, the company, the MTR, and also uh, the contractors can show to the, to the, to the family, right, uh, to show their concern, right, both uh, in terms of uh, money and also in terms of their, say, concern, right? And then I think the the, the government uh, should look into this matter. Probably it's uh, worthwhile to actually conduct an independent uh, inquiry into such events, right? Because I think, uh, well, just to blame it on certain individuals, right, is probably not going to end this kind of uh, tragedy. And uh, uh, if you set in more rules and uh, more tougher uh, uh, penalties, and this will probably just deter people, right? And uh, sort of uh, people may uh, continue to deny that they, they are working in a confined space. So that will be even more dangerous. So I think there should be an inquiry to see uh, what, what are the causes of the lapse right, in the precaution in this case. And also uh, say to see whether the lines of responsibility are clear enough or not in the in this kind of um, uh, uh, say work arrangement where there are contractors and subcontractors uh, on the job, right? So you don't necessarily favour new legislation, right? I think that's what you seem to be saying. I think that we, before we have new legislation, uh, we should look into the, the the root cause of the problem, right? Right now, I, I see that uh, well. Uh, if we look at the system instead of individuals, right, we, we, have, we have to ask, why is there uh, such a negligence in this case, right? What, what are the causes of that? If other people are in the, in the, in the same place as these workers, these contractors, subcontractors, will they commit the same kind of mistakes, the same kind of blunders? So, uh, we, we have to look at that and to refine the system so, so that it is, uh, uh, I mean, it's operable, and then it's uh, uh, it's uh, practical, right? So I think that that is very important. Right? Should the Labour Department be doing more? I mean, we we suddenly see after this accident, of course, uh, the phrase of uh, locking the stable door after the horse has bolted. That are, are they they inspecting sites across Hong Kong? But um, uh, should mm-hmm. the Labour Department have been more proactive in checking these, these kind of sites? Um, no, I, I think that. Uh, so certainly, uh, the government has, uh, has a bigger part to play. Uh, some people will say that, okay, now uh, that all these sites right, to be, uh, or any work uh, done at such sites to be report, has to be reported to the Labor Department at right, the first instance. So in other words, uh, it becomes a routine right, to report those cases. But if this is reported to the Labor Department, will they, what kind of monitoring can they do, right? So if they just they take a note right, or put a take right on the on on the ta- mm-hmm. uh, on 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 the schedule right and 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 just the end of it and put it in the drawer then it's virtually useless. So unless the labor department can do something actively right to prevent such uh, tragedy from happening, otherwise just um, 
more red tape right on on the say it won't, it's not going to help that's that's my point right Okay, thank you very much. Uh, that was uh, Pan Pei Chow, uh, former le- um, uh, FTU legi- legislator, joining us on Backchat uh, to talk about that terrible um, accident uh, which saw um, two workers killed in a gas-filled underground tube near Elements shopping centre. As we said, they weren't found till more than 12 hours later and they, they, their managers just went home overnight and left them in the tunnel, thinking presumably they weren't there. Um, if you have any thoughts about, about this topic, uh, do email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can go to our Facebook page, Backchat chat on rthk radio free and leave a comment there uh, now let's bring in um, alfred tang who's in our queensway studio alfred tang is the honorary secretary of the hong kong institute of construction managers uh, good morning mr tang uh, welcome to back chat good morning and uh, now there's really a tendency as we've already been hearing this morning to to to, to try to pass pass out blame when something like this has happened i mean what what is your reaction who who should bear responsibility well of course, it's a very sad day for um, the whole construction industry. Um, if you talk about responsibility, I think um, usually people um, will firstly think uh, the main contractor and the subcontractor will be uh, fully responsible for the uh, accident. Yes, of course. Um, we, um, um, I mean, the contractor, either the main contractor or the subcontractor, they are fully responsible. But at the same time, um, I agree uh, with uh, what the uh, the guest um, just said. Um, I think safety is uh, responsibility for all stakeholders, uh, not just the uh, the contractor. Um, even uh, the the client, the uh, the uh, contractor, uh, the designer, and even including the workers. Uh, I think everyone everyone is responsible, and everyone should do uh, better to uh, improve the overall safety. And how about the role of the government? Um, as you said, um, the new um, law um, had tightened or put a heavy penalty um, on the main contractor. Um, I think um, we should not just focusing on uh, penalizing the uh, the contractor. Um, I think we should um, start uh, thinking about um, more education, um, more like uh, a cultural change. Uh, even um, we should think about putting more technology um, on monitoring and supervising the, uh, the site so that we can create a better, uh, safer uh, environment for all the workers. Do you also actually think it is uh, one of the reasons because there is lack of uh, like constructional uh, labor to help with the jobs and, and monitor when uh, the people come or the labor come and go at that at that time inside to the like the the, the site. Um, I don't think um, it has anything to do with uh, the supply of labor. Um, obviously, um, it's the hazard didn't happen uh, not because of um, not enough workers, um, and also um, the work um, from what we know um, is a, is a maintenance uh, repair works. Um, so it's not about uh, something uh, involved um, very uh, high uh, technical uh, level works. So. I think it has nothing to do with the uh, the supply and the skill level of the workers. And you make an interesting point just now about technology. I mean, uh, 
in other circumstances we use technology and that uh, a lot now we use drones for safety and so on but here you're talking about underground and um, maybe we haven't uh, fully embraced technology in these kinds of areas um, for construction, um, I think we uh, just um, start to um, applying all the uh, technology on, on site level. Um, we are talking about um, using all the uh, sensors and also the uh, new IT technology, putting on uh, every indi- individual workers, uh, such as um, we're talking about some uh, smart helmets. Uh, a helmet with uh, all the uh, sensors and uh, and uh, and technology that built in, so that we can uh, monitor the uh, the activities uh, of every single workers. Things like that, uh, we are um, start um, starting to uh, to apply on on site level, but it's only the beginning. Um, um, there are a lot of technical issues uh, we still have to tackle. But uh, we we start using the technology. I think it will help um, the overall um, safety management. Okay, that's Alfred Tang, the Honorary Secretary of the Hong Kong Institute of Construction Managers. We're now also joined in our Queensway studio by Wong King. Wong King is the uh, former president of the Hong Kong Institute of Utility Specialists and an underground utility investigation consultant. Good morning, Mr. Wong. Welcome to Backchat. Morning, everyone. Uh, Now, you've appeared on a number of Chinese-language radio shows already where you pointed to several things that went badly wrong and several um, flaws in in how things were handled at this site where the two people died. Can, Can you enlarge on the... The, uh, breaches of uh, the safety procedures there for us? Yes, uh, first of all, uh, we have the risk assessment for where the site is a confined space or not. If it is a confined space, what we can do is uh, whether we have technologies or alternative to do the job without main entries. So uh, just you mentioned about the drum. Uh, indeed, yes, we are flying uh, quite a lot under the drainage for the major uh, drainage or sewers. So for this oh, case... Sorry to interrupt. You put drones into the tunnel, into the sewer tunnels, right? Then? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Also, we do have uh, installed some uh, monitoring system in the major drainage tunnel uh, where we have uh, just outside this studio... Uh, what well, we call it IOT, it's simply like that. Uh, so the first point is, uh, if it is confirmed as confined space, whether we have alternative, we're using different technologies. Secondly, if there is a must to go in, the permit to work system must be in place. And when we define whether it is a confined space, we have five uh, so-called defined elements or risks, which involve the uh, fire, heat, uh, gas, including the oxygen deficiency or the hazardous gas, Uh, water level, that is uh, flooding, and the floating uh, uh, solids. And in this case, I think we can define as a confined space because we have uh, the potential oxygen deficiency. And eventually, uh, I think the fire fire service department said the H2S, the hydrogen sulfide, is uh, more than the, the uh, le- uh, acceptable level. So when we're doing that, uh, we have the gas monitor or gas detector with the workers inside the works, if it is, it is necessary. Of course, the ventilation comes first. And then when we go in, everyone has their remark, I mean their badge, so that we know who has come uh, gone in and when he should come out 
on the displaced board. All, with all this, the bandsman outside will be looking after and as a communication the, uh, uh, system for working with the inside workers so that they understand how works doing there and how's the situation of the workers inside. And say every five, uh, 10 to 10, 15 minutes, they should communicate. If everything is fine, then it's fine. Uh, let's finish the job and clear out and cancel the permit to work system. If something happened, what we need to do is call the emergency, the emergency system in Hong Kong. I always uh, say that it is very good indeed. And then we try our very best to have the ventilation using the, uh, the fan or the what we call blower to do the ventilation in case the, uh, or, uh, the original system is not in work. And if possible, raise the man so that it would not be drummed. And at the meantime, we send a representative to the entrance of the site to welcome for the fire service uh, firemen so that they have least time to arrive the instant site. And we have the best time to uh, rescue. And eventually, if you really try to rescue the injury man, please consider carefully whether you have the sufficient uh, equipment sufficient training and sufficient uh, energy. So uh, that's a long list of uh, safety precautions, a long list of safety precautions that should happen, but uh, clearly this accident, uh, they, they didn't happen. Something went wrong, right? The managers went home, didn't they, right? Well, we have more information now after a few days. Uh, there are uh, multi-layers of contracting. That's the permanent number one, which is not bad thing because uh, a specialist uh, to be sub subcontract out is uh, some very common and uh, as I said it's not bad things. Say for confined space they need someone really good at this training for the works inside the confined space. Secondly, uh, we uh, on the front line uh, supervisor, it could be the safety supervisor, it could be the foreman, they need to be well trained whether as advancement or as a safety supervisor to look after the work, uh, workers inside the uh, confined space when they're working inside. Thirdly, the safety management system from the main contractor, even from the client. In this case, I think it's MTR and because it's causing flu, the uh, West Kowloon uh, cultural area, they also are party of the system. So they need to all, they all need to know the system is running well. And this is the safety management system. Yeah, and also, uh, as you mentioned about the clock in and clock out system to make sure the worker like go in and go out from the site, like very obvious the time, like we, we know they are not left behind. But this time, the this tragedy is like uh, the worker is really left behind inside the site and then until tomorrow got go find out. So do you think this time actually is like having or involving some step that are literally missing or like some mistake? Well, um, I think uh, personally, I've been in the industry, industry for almost 30 years. This is the first time I've seen like this. That means this is um, completely unacceptable. The mm. clock-in, clock-out system, the bandsman, they need to make sure everyone in has gone out 
and as I just mentioned, discharge the permit to work. Otherwise, they should not go. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's go back to um, Alfred Tang. Um, um, Mr. Tang, uh, we just now, um, Mr. Wong was talking about multi layers of contractors, and um, he, um, is, is that a problem sometimes in terms of clear responsibility for industrial safety? Um, it should not be a problem. Um, subcontracting is only um, uh, like a business model. Um, is how you operate the uh, the business uh, in a more efficient uh, way, uh, but it doesn't, um, it shouldn't um, uh, affect uh, the overall management, uh, including safety. Um, so, I don't think I don't think that's the problem, um, and we shouldn't focus on subcontracting uh, whether we should do it or not. That's not the problem uh, in terms of uh, safety. Yeah, but it always seems to be the subcontractors that get the blame. Where I mean, in this case, the subcontractor's already been arrested. I mean, is, subcon- is it a way that responsibility is passed off on the subcontractors and the contractors can escape from their share of responsibility? Um, that's why um, I said um, subcontracting is only a business model because um, uh, no matter how your subcontractor works, uh, the main contractor still has the responsibility out the ultimate responsibility to uh, manage the, uh, the site. Um, so either the workers are, are directly employed under the main contractor or by the subcontractor. We still have um, the overall site uh, management system to uh, monitor, to supervise everyone on site, no matter uh, they are, uh, are directly employed or subcontracted workers. Uh, it doesn't matter, but um, uh, it the problem is on the on the system, not the uh, subcontracting uh, uh, problem. And as far as I understand, the legal position, the ultimate liability, these huge fines that can after they change the law, these huge fines can now be levied to ten million dollars. I think those the, the ultimately the liability goes up to the contractor, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, um, and not just about um, money. Um, the new law also um, can put the uh, owner into jail for, uh, if two I years. remember correctly, is mm. two years. So <laughs> it's a very, very heavy penalty. So it's a very heavy penalty, but it, again, as the point we made from the start, it doesn't seem to stop these accidents, does it? Well, that's why I said um, we shouldn't focus on uh, penalizing the contractor. We should do more education uh, to change the overall uh, safety culture on site. And, uh, and I also mentioned about technology. Technology mm. can also help uh, the, uh, the management. Technology part, I, I'm curious about that. Uh, for example, do you think we're... Uh, an Apple Watch and then to like connecting to the people on the ground when there is any or, bad or thing. Some sort of tracker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah the tracker. Uh, how about that, think? Mr. Wong? How about uh, a tracker? I mean, GPS doesn't work underground, but various sort of trackers that people well, can carry. Uh, there have been many, many cases uh, in the last two, three decades for, uh, for fatal, uh, fatal case in confined space. So we always keep thinking of how to prevent. One of the uh, approach is that when we, uh, so first of all, we have to classify this uh, confined space into different risk levels, say for high, median, and low. Secondly, for high, uh, even median uh, level risk, we can have a light camera, a robot, looking at the worker when they working and the camera view will be seen outside so that the bandsman can always uh, know 
they are working, uh, uh, I mean, alive, <laughs> simply. So uh, this is not something new. Uh, we have mm. been using for maybe 20 years for high-risk uh, situation. For medium-risk situation, uh, it can be uh, sim uh, for medium-risk means uh, they can easily see each other or they can easily communicate with each other, like using the walkie-talkie. Then they can keep this communication channel. For the low risk, say like uh, just uh, going in a, a small manhole of say one meter deep, they can even see the head of the working man. So then they just need to look at him and okay. work. So this will be the technology part or the new approach. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we're going to have to take a uh, break for the news there, but um, uh, do, do stay with us. We're going to continue the discussion after the news about uh, this uh, terrible tragedy that saw two workers killed in a gas-filled underground tube near Elements Shopping Centre. Later on, we're going to be looking at a new exhibition at the Hong Kong Palace Museum and getting an update on the um, Asian Games. Uh, the weather forecast is going to be sunny with a few showers. Maximum temperature will be around 32 degrees, but they aren't going to be some isolated thunderstorms in the afternoon. Currently 30 degrees, relative humidity 72%. It's 9.30. Here's Hayley with the news. Trading in shares of China Evergrande has been suspended after media reports that its chairman has been placed under police surveillance on the mainland. The company filed a trading halt notice with the Hong Kong Stock Exchange before the market opened this morning. Police have charged a 39-year-old engineer with one count of manslaughter. The case centers on an industrial accident at the Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau Bridge six and a half years ago when it was under construction. The accused and expatriate will appear before Shotin magistrates this morning. And hundreds of people have had their first taste of the latest step in the government's Night Vibes initiative to revitalize Hong Kong's after-dark economy. The latest night carnival at the Wan Chai Harbor Front opened its doors last night, featuring food stalls and live musical performances. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. The property management industry licensing regime has been implemented. From August the 1st, 2023, all property management companies and relevant practitioners must be licensed to provide services under the law. Inspect the register at the PMSA website, pmsa.org.hk, to check if your property management company is licensed. A new milestone for property management. Regulation breeds professionalism. In Hong Kong, close to 600,000 people smoke every day. The hazards of smoking are affecting each of us. Don't want to be around secondhand smoke when walking down the streets? Don't want your kids to be tempted by cigarettes and candy flavors and fancy packages? Want some convenient and effective ways to help your family members quit smoking? The vibrant, healthy and tobacco-free Hong Kong public consultation on tobacco control strategies has started. Visit tobacco-free.gov.hk and share your views on OB before September 30th. Welcome back to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your co-presenter this morning is Kaha. In the second half of the programme, we're going to be continuing our discussion about uh, industrial safety on the back of that uh, terrible um, accident which saw two workers killed in a gas-filled underground tube near Elements Shopping Centre. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to be uh, talking, uh, we're going to find out about this uh, new uh, Shanxing Dui relic exhibition which opened at the Hong Kong Palace Museum yesterday and we'll also get an update on the Asian Games. If you have any uh, thoughts on any of these topics, do email us at backchat.rth 
RTHK and IHK, you can go to our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, and leave a comment there, or call us on 233-88266. Our guest, as we continue discussion, still with us in our Queensway studio, Alfred Tang, the Honorary Secretary of the Hong Kong Institute of Construction Engineers, and Wong King. Wong King is a former president of the Hong Kong Institute of Utility Specialists and an underground uh, utility investigation consultant. Um, Mr. Tang, so, so far we've been talking specific. I mean, obviously, what's caught the headlines, been in the news all week, is this this latest accident and um, particularly the cir- circumstances surrounding it. Um, but I mean, sadly, this is far from the only. Act- and we, it's, I was looking back; it's only a few months since uh, there were three people dying in the same day. It was described as the darkest day for Hong Kong's construction industry. Overall, we look at the figures for um, uh, workplace accidents in Hong Kong, and they are consistently pretty high, around 30 per thousand workers. The number varies slightly from year to year. Um, why do we have such a um, high rate of, um, of workplace accidents in Hong Kong? And are there, is there any, any more general solution going beyond this particular incident? I think... Um, um as I said before, um, this is a responsibility for all stakeholders. Uh, in order uh, for us to uh, further improve the safety, I think uh, we need the improvement from every stakeholders, uh, from the client, uh, uh, the contractor, uh, the designers, uh, down to the workers. I think everyone should get more involved. Uh, we need more um, education. Uh, we need to... Um, uh, change the overall culture and also uh, the technology hopefully can uh, improve our monitoring as well. So those are those kind of things um, uh, we should um, uh, do more instead of uh, just focusing on penalising the contractors. Um, how does Hong Kong compare with other places? I mean, is our, our statistics worse than other big Asian cities or are we on a par really? I think we are about uh, at the same level as the other uh, developed uh, society. Um, to be honest, um, there are a lot of um, dangerous uh, hazards uh, in every construction site. Um, it's it, it just not uh, happening in Hong Kong. It's happening everywhere in every construction site. Um, we are trying to improve. Uh, we, the industry has done a lot in the past, especially the past 10 years. We have done a lot to improve the, uh, the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, we also uh, try to do more to um, make it uh, not just a safer place to work, but also a more comfortable place to work. Um, if you notice that um, during the summertime, um, the uh, Labor Department had issued the, uh, the heat uh, stroke warning um, to all the outdoor uh, workers, including the construction sites. Uh, we, we have done a lot uh, uh, to provide um, some uh, shaded uh, rest area, provide more drinks, uh, provide uh, changing rooms, even uh, some of them uh, provide uh, shower rooms. And uh, some uh, construction sites, uh, they provide uh, watermelon on a daily basis to, to cool down the workers. Those are the things that um, the whole industry um, is doing um, to uh, improve the overall condition. Um, so safety is one of the things that uh, we should do more. And uh, as I said, um, can't just rely on uh, the main contractors. Uh, of course, the main contractor is fully responsible for, for the site management, uh, including safety. But uh, we do need more help from other stakeholders as well. Okay, we have a caller, caller Mark. Uh, good morning, welcome to Back Chat. Good morning, Mr. Tang. Uh, 
Good morning. Uh, first of all, my condolences to the family. But for me, it's obvious. One thing is obvious. The man who sent both of those men into the hole or into the ground, he must be responsible because nobody else knows about it. Or maybe nobody else may know about it. So he should be responsible. I don't care whether he's contractor or subcontractor or main contractor. He's got nothing to do with that. He sent them in. He should know they're in there. And, you know, he must somehow communicate to the other people in charge that there are two men down there. You know, uh, no matter what happens, whether it's a school or it's a, it's an office or whatever. Uh, I'm not, not defending him in the slightest. I think, that according to the press reports, there was a misunderstanding. He thought they'd come back out. No, but no, no. That's not the point. He must check to make sure that they've come out. He can't assume yeah. that they've come out. You know, he can't. They can't decide to go home and then, oh, well, you know, they must have gone home. You can't make any assumption. It's the reality. It's flesh and blood that he has to see. Okay. Uh, Wong King? Yes. Well, uh, yes, I agree with Mr. Ma just said uh, we cannot assume because um, when you make assumption, it can make fatality. Uh, indeed, uh, coming back to your previous question, uh, for the safety management system in the construction site, I do more on underground part, so I will specify more on underground part myself. I recall, uh, I think it was in 2001, when I talking to about 100 registered safety officers, I told them our culture must be changed. Indeed, we need to change a lot. Because uh, everyone thinks safety is a cause. I said safety is not a cause. Safety is an investment. That means you will have good return when you have good investment. Indeed, uh, that is also our culture in our company, safety, quality and quantity. That means if you don't have safety and quality, you don't have quantity. Quantity means money. Well, it's quite simple. And for the confined space laws, the current training requirement for workers is only one day, which is uh, now is a 8.5 hours. One day? Only one day. And in one day, I can very surely tell you that they would not be uh, competent or expert. However, there has been some 300,000 cars issue. 300,000. Everything believe that when you hold a card, you are capable to work. I have different opinion. So I keep talking to labor department, keep writing to them and keep talking to them that they should in, improve the training system. First of all, more time. Secondly, more practical training. Thirdly, all the managers, supervisors, they need to be well trained okay. as well. Okay, thank you very much. We're, we're almost uh, out of time for this segment of discussion, but caller Mark is still with us. Um, uh, Mark, Excuse you, me. Yes, it's please. a question of accountability. It's not a question of money. It's not a question of gaining, you know, any, any profit, anything like that. It's a question of two lives, you know? Mm -hmm. if, you, if you're managing a school and, and two boys die or two girls die, it's hell to pay. You know, the headmaster and headmistress, they're responsible right away, even though they're not, not on the scene. Now here, the man who sent them into the hole, he must be responsible. It's a question of accountability. What this man is talking about, what, what they, how they're trained, fine. But the point is, you're talking about flesh and blood, and when flesh and blood stops the heartbeat, that's it.
Thank you. Yes. Who is responsible? Yeah, I, I, I fully take that point. Uh, th- 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 thank you very much uh, to Caller Mark for joining us. Um, uh, Alfred Tang, I don't know if you, would you want to say a few words on accountability. You already talked about this. Um, I think uh, we all know that uh, not just the Labor Department, uh, right now the, uh, even the police department is investigating the case. So I'm sure um, all people who are responsible for this um, tragedy uh, will be prosecuted. Okay, we'll have to draw the discussion to a close there. Thank you very much uh, to uh, Caller Mark, of course, but also to our two guests in our Queensway studio who've been here from the beginning of the programme. Alfred Tang, uh, the Honorary Secretary of the Hong Kong Institute of uh, Construction Managers, and Wong King, the former President of the Hong Kong Institute of Utility Specialist and Underground Utility Investigation Consultant. Uh, Stay with us. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. Moving on, a uh, new exhibition has opened in the Hong Kong's Palace Museum. It's uh, relics from the Shanshin uh, Dui, uh, which is one of the um, considered one of the most important archaeological discoveries of the 20th century, uh, ranking up alongside uh, the uh, Terracotta Warriors. The exhibition will be open until uh, January. There was a press conference, uh, and I understand that our guest uh, Lam Wing Chong, Lam Wing Chong, is associate professor at the Department of Anthropology and Department of History at Chinese University of Hong Kong, was at the press conference. So. Uh, good morning, Mr. Lam. Welcome to Backchat. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it is uh, my pleasure to join the program. <laughs> now, I think we all know about the Terracotta Warriors, uh, but uh, some uh-huh. of us, including me, are f- far more ignorant than we should be about the Shenxing Dui, about the, the importance of this find. So maybe, first of all, you can just explain wh- why, why this site is so important, then we'll move on to the exhibition. Oh, definitely, definitely. Okay, uh, so like for Sensing Dui, um, I uh, think there are a lot of rumors because um, I guess a lot of people are very uh, curious about the mass and uh, um, uh, has, the bronze has, and the golden mass. Um, a lot of artifacts have not been seen in other parts of China during the same time. And uh, when you take a look at the um, exhibition material, um, so I highly recommend the exhibition. It is um, a a terrific uh, exhibition. So when we uh, visit the exhibition, um, I'm pretty sure everyone uh, will be amazed um, uh, by um, the amount of materials that um, were used making those big uh, bronze heads, bronze masks and um, various types of bronze vessels. And I think the materials that were collected and were exploited for making those uh, um, uh, artifacts, um, not to mention the skills making those artifacts, provide a lot of information um, uh, so that we can understand better that part of China during the Bronze Age. Yes, and actually, so actually, I have been to Hong Kong Palace Museum for, uh, three times already because, like, all the time I visit there because they have like special exhibition, and that's why it attracts uh-huh. me to go to visit. And I'm sure I will go to visit it t- tomorrow. <laughs> oh, it start yesterday, right? It start from yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I will. I will go like very soon. So actually, so if people go to visit to this uh, exhibition, which part do you recommend us to like have to see? So, or which um, treasure? Yeah. Well, well, they have like, they, they have more than like uh, 100 uh, uh, like uh, pieces of uh, uh, artifacts and a lot of them are uh, uh, not only uh, very big, 
but mm. also demonstrating um, uh, excellent uh, craftsmanship uh, in the past. Um, and uh, they have the like uh, super big bronze mask. Um, and um, uh, I, uh, it is like the the name is um, like mm. more than uh, 100 centimeters. Um, that is very big. Uh, with the protruding eyes, um, that definitely, like, uh, I think uh, this is a um, one of the iconic artifacts in the whole exhibition hall. Mm. They also have the golden mask, um, and um, I think uh, this is also uh, uh, a very iconic uh, material uh, representing something great. So what is this about these masks with uh, the exaggerated facial features on them? I mean, what, what's the significance of that? Why, why is there so much attention about the, 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 uh, the facial expressions on these masks? Uh, okay, that is um, a, a good question. Um, I, I joined the conference um, uh, yesterday, uh, and um, like during the uh, opening ceremony, uh, a lot of people already mentioned that um, uh, the mask and the um, facial um, uh, peculiar facial expression um, is very unique in ancient China. Um, uh, we, we know that uh, Chinese Bronze Age uh, make a lot of uh, bronze vessels. Some of them are very big, but um, uh, Sanxingdui is the only example that um, produced a lot of facial expression or the uh, human figurines. That is very um, uh, uh, unique uh, in ancient China. We don't really know why. Um, mm. and of course, a lot of rumors saying that uh, maybe there are some connection with the uh, aliens or the um, <laughs> uh, exotic uh, civilizations. We don't really know why. Um, and um, uh, more investigations are still needed uh, to help us understand why uh, the ancient Sanxingdui people were uh, so obsessed in making those bronzes. But when we take a look at the uh, skills, um, uh, people that uh, employed it, making those uh, big masks, and also the, uh, the representation of the, of the face, uh, which part of the face that were highlighted on the mask, I think we can um, have a better understanding of the people um, uh, in ancient Sichuan. Have you tried to do some research on this? I, I don't know, it's difficult, isn't it? That's one of the problems is, right, there's no... There's no written script. There's no. There's no nothing in writing, as far as I understand, with these relics. Is um, uh, there's very few clues. Isn't that correct? Yes. 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 So um, uh, a lot of scholars suggest that um, Sanxingdui um, uh, should be connected to the ancient Shu civilization. So according to historical texts, we uh, know that um, the people uh, living in ancient Sichuan uh, during the late Bronze Age. Uh, which is equivalent to the um, uh, uh, Eastern Zhou period um, uh, uh, after um, 1000 BC, um, th those people were called Shu in historical text. But before uh, 1000 BC, which um, is the uh, period represented by Sanxingdui, um, we don't have any historical text. So we don't know um, who they were, who they were um, how they called themselves, uh, or uh, whether they are connected to the Shu people that were mentioned in later historical texts. We don't really know. But um, uh, Sanxingdui um, did provide a lot of uh, information for us to investigate how um, the ancient civilization in ancient Sichuan developed and interact with other parts of uh, civilizations in China. So we're just guessing how old are we just guessing how old they are, or can we do things like carbon dating and so on? We we do actually know how old they are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, yesterday, uh, a lot of uh, speakers in the conference uh, also mentioned that um, the new uh, excavation in San Xingdui, uh, which took place uh, during the past three years, uh, produced not only um, uh, a lot of terrific artifacts, but also uh, scientific uh, uh, results uh, for different kinds of um, uh, uh, testings. So uh, one item uh, that um, has been improved a lot is the chronology, uh, the dating of the sensing doing material. So um, according to uh, the speakers yesterday, uh, we knew that uh, at least um, uh, 200 samples were sent for radiocarbon dating. And um, sensing doing materials um, uh, primarily date to around 1000 BC, around this time range. And actually, I also know that um, Hong Kong is the first place for these um, first large-scale traveling exhibition of this kind of uh, precious treasure object to exhibit. So uh, why Hong Kong? Why Hong Kong? Okay, yeah. good question. Yeah, yeah, why Hong Kong? Okay, yeah. um, Why didn't uh, show I, it like I, back to Beijing, the Forbidden City? Okay, good question. Good question. I, I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I, uh, and I really uh, want to know why. But um, indeed, um, this is the first um, exhibition for uh, the new excavated materials. Um, something that was excavated, uh, the first excavation uh, took place during the 1980s. But that time, uh, archaeologists only find two sacrificial pieces. Uh, but during the past three years, archaeologists excavated uh, at least uh, five more sacrificial pieces. Um, and um, a lot of uh, new items uh, were found during the past three years. And um, uh, like this uh, new exhibition um, uh, uh, like brought a lot of new excavated items to Hong Kong. Um, mm. And I guess one of the reasons why Hong Kong was selected is because um, uh, the intellectual background of Hong Kong and um, the a new Palace Museum can provide a, a wonderful platform for not only people in Hong Kong, but um, other international mm. tourists to know more about San uh, and uh, the ancient civilization in Sichuan. Oh, you raise a good point about the international profile. I mean, it's it said, isn't it, the San Xingdui, uh, these relics, they're, they're of um, the same sort of archaeological importance as the terracotta warriors, right? But uh, in fact, they're even older, aren't they? You're saying that these, are, these, are, these date back to more than 1000 BC, even further back than the terracotta warriors. Um, but if you ask people around the world, people around the world have heard of the terracotta warriors. If, even I haven't, I haven't heard until this exhibition. I hadn't heard of Shangshan Gui. Why, why? If it's so important, why? Why is it not better known? Okay, so uh, well, um, uh, like which one is more important? Uh, well, I, I don't know. But they're because, both uh, important, um, aren't they? Right. But the terracotta yeah, warriors is much yeah, better known. And people... <laughs> but of course, something doing uh, materials um, are definitely. Uh, uh, predate, uh, predating the terracotta soldiers uh, at least um, uh, uh, 800 years, um, uh, approximately. Um, and why sensing the materials are, are so important, um, I guess it's for uh, like two reasons. Um, so first, um, we don't have any textual record about um, the ancient people in Sichuan during the Bronze Age. And sensing the uh, materials um, um, were basically uh, belong to the single line of evidence for us to investigate the civilization in ancient Sichuan. And the second reason, and uh, probably the most important one, is that Sanxing Dui is so unique uh, in ancient China, including the tradition 
making different types of bronze materials, their religion, um, and also um, their skills making those bronze hats, bronze masks, bronze figurines. Um, some of the traditions were connected to other parts of ancient China. But definitely, we can see a unique characteristic um, exhibited uh, by um, uh, the sensing material. Um, so um, in order to understand the full picture of Chinese civilization and how um, different parts of China were eventually integrated into big unified um, uh, civilization, sensing uh, uh, is an important uh, piece of puzzle. And it's, uh, I understand uh, the Shangxing Dui site is uh, a candidate for mission to the list of uh, UNESCO's World Heritage Sites now. Will that make it better known internationally? Uh, uh, I uh, think uh, Shangxing Dui is trying to um, prepare the material uh, to apply for the UNESCO uh, uh, Cultural Heritage. Uh, uh, things are going on, uh, uh, and I'm sure uh, in the uh, foreseeable future, Shangxing Dui definitely will be put on a um, uh, bigger world map and uh, will be known by more people internationally. Mm. And actually, also, I would like to know, like, how important does this like, archaeological discovery mean to us? Uh, mean to, okay, uh, to ordinary people, you mean, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, oh, oh, okay, good question. Um, so for archaeologists or art historians, definitely something they represent a, a, a big treasure for knowing about the skills, uh, the technology uh, in the past, but also um, for um, uh, like ordinary people, um, something they uh, represents um, one part of the history mm. that uh, was not written down by historians, uh, no matter they were contemporary to something Dui or after something Dui, um, Sensing Dui was not written no. down by yeah. any historical okay. records. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think that's the most important part. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Lai Wing Chong, uh, Associate Professor at the Department of Anthropology at the Department of History at Chinese University of Hong Kong, telling us about this new Shanxing Dui relic exhibition, which opened at the Hong Kong Palace Museum yesterday, and it's, there, it's going to be there until January, so plenty of time to catch it. Uh, in the closing segment of this show, now let's find out what happened at the Asian Games yesterday. And we welcome back sports correspondent uh, Jamie Clark, who's been doing sterling work, uh, keeping us updated on all these medals that Hong Kong's been Good winning morning, at the Asian Games. You. It's another great day, wasn't it? Uh, maybe tell us first of all about the uh, final day of the sailing competition yesterday. There's more medals there, right? Yeah, so the sailing centre in Ningbo, the sailing ended yesterday, and the the last day was completely cancelled due to a lack of wind. Um, so the final... Yeah, sailing, you need wind, don't yes, you? Yes, yeah, it ruined everything. <laughs> so the, the final standings were based on the sailors' positions from the end of the penultimate race the day before. So that meant that Stephanie Norton, who represented Hong Kong at the 2020 Olympics, won silver, uh, as did Ma Quan Ching in women's IQ foil. That's a windsurfing event. And Cheng Ching Yin won bronze in the men's IQ foil. Um, and yeah, Harris Solis is the head coach. He'll be really happy because he was he was t trying to talk down his young team before the before the tournament. So he'll be he he'll really proud of them. Quite, I, mean, I mean, they're very happy to win, but it must be quite a blow. You, you're training, you're ready for the, the race, and then it just has to be cancelled because no win, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went to see them before earlier this month, and, and they were saying how you know the, the the uniqueness of this sport that 
something as slight as the elements will completely change everything, change their systems, change their equipment. So, yeah, they'll have been ready for it. You know, we normally think more wind is back, it's going to cause problems, but for yes, them, exactly. it's the other way around. Yeah, it? exactly, yes. yes. Okay, how about cycling? Uh, I think there's a medal last night, right? Yes, so there was a bronze last night in the women's team pursuit, and Lee Se Wing and Yang Chan Yu of that team of four, they're um, competing again today in the women's Madison. So, if I may, I'd just like course, to, try, yes. through the medium of radio, I'd like to quickly try and explain the women, the Madison, because it's a, quite a captivating event. So, each team has two riders. Um, so, there'll be 14 riders packed onto this track. And it's, it's basically a relay. So, each pair takes turns being the active rider that races around the centre of the velodrome, and the inactive rider coasts around the edge. And when it's time for those, the, those pairs to swap, they perform this slingshot movement. So, they'll grip each other's hands and catapult each other forward, flying into the, the next lap. Sounds so, interesting. Yes. yes, it's an exciting one. So yeah, I, I, It's great to description on radio. I think you have to see that, don't you? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. So hopefully my, my description will at well, least... Will wet, a bit, wet people's appetites. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so that's an exciting one. And yeah, so that's 30-kilometre race over, in a 250-metre track. So that will be going round and round and round all, all, all day. Okay, there's lots going on. There's fencing as well, right? Fencing was where Hong Kong's, what, seven medals? No? Yeah, seven medals, one gold, one silver and five bronze um, today there's the women's foil team so Daphne Chan young, uh, young fencer won bronze in the individual uh, women's foil so yeah she's with da uh, Chan Valerie Cheng Kuan Yan Ching and Sophia Wu will be trying to uh, how many more today. medals can Hong Kong win there then? So they've got two events today and the fencing will, will end tomorrow so I mean that's four that's a possible four. And they've got yeah. seven already, right? Yeah. So they could, yeah. they could be in double digits. They could, yes. I don't know off the top of my head who's in the sa the it's the sa the men's sabre today. Um, but yeah, tomorrow, um, Cedric Ho, who won bronze in the men's epee, he will be in action tomorrow for the team. So yeah, definitely, there's lots of more chances. Yeah, and it wouldn't be an Asian Games update without a mention of Siobhan Sh Jorge, right? <laughs> yeah, Siobhan Jorge is back uh, how, in the how ball. How many medals has she won? I'm sorry, she, I'm losing track. Yeah. She's on four, so she's, she's on, on two golds and two bronze. Um, and yeah, so she's back in the pool in the 50 metres freestyle tonight. Her heats are this morning. Uh, actually, her, her heat will start in the next 10 minutes. Yeah, it always seems to be. Yes, the, the, the swimmers are early in the morning sometimes, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. She's in the second heat of the day. So the game's record in the 50 metres is 24.53. And Siobhan Horhey's fastest pace is 24.56. She's already made two records this this game. So yeah, she's in line to definitely make another one. Is um, that, this the last medal that she could win? No, definitely not. No, she, she, I, I'm pretty sure she's got... She, she's got maybe three more races so three more events how many medals are we looking for in hong kong overall i mean where could hong kong go well so that they got i think 46 in 2018 that's that was their record and they had 500 athletes there this time around they've got over 800 so yeah they, they could really keep going okay well exciting well jamie clark will be continuing to join us it's great to have you in as always sports correspondent jamie clark continue to join us every morning to tell us uh, what's happening and hopefully more medals uh thank you very much uh, to my uh, co co guest presenter um this morning uh kaha uh you. tomorrow it will be uh, jim gould and philip wong so join us tomorrow THK, the news at 10 with Haley Yip.